Right, so, uh, um, it, it seems like I've been standing here and saying we're still in 2 Corinthians for about the last six years. But we are still in 2 Corinthians, uh, and we come to the, sort of the end of chapter 10 today. And so there's a bit of text to read first. I'm going to read it from my NIV. One of the problems with the NIV is they're continually revising it in detail. So you can do one of two things. You can either like listen with your spirit and like hear the deep things God's saying, or you can look out for the slight errors in the words, which is what I tend to do. Yeah, okay? And pick those up where the versions are slightly different. <coughs> it's on screen. Uh, is this verse 12? Yeah, good. We'll start the same place anyway. Here we go. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves. And let's stop there. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves. Part of this text is about Paul talking to his, the church in Corinth. And they're a church that his relationship with them is complicated and the moment's quite difficult. And this whole section for the next two chapters, really, is about him like just sort of stropping with them, really. Um, it's amazing. It's in, it's in the Bible, really. Um, because Paul is just going to have a go at them for the fact they're behaving sincerely. And that requires him to be silly as well, as we'll see later. But it starts off, we do not dare, he's talking about himself and his, his, his colleagues, to uh, classify or compare. Comparison is such a difficult thing, but it has to be done. Agreed? Stand up. Stand up. Stand up, please. Are you taller or shorter than the person next to you? Are you, strong, are you stronger or weaker than the person next to you? Talk to each other. Don't try to, I don't trials of strength. Just think about it, okay? Young people, this is definitely your thing, okay? James, take your hat off. Are you ginger or less ginger than the person next to you? Okay? Is there a sensible comparison? Do these things matter? Is there a comparison that does matter? Sit down and think. Sit down. Think about that. Hold that. Comparison is nearly always an evil and bad thing. Because what it does is if I compare myself with other people, let me take an example. Laurie always picks on you, Fred, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I'll pick on someone else. Okay. So if I compare myself with Choi, for example, who I know well enough to not upset probably, right? Did you do what did you do at university? Physics. Yeah. My! <laughs> Sorry, um, let's calm down. Sorry, James. Okay, I'm not going this far. Um, if I could have someone with Choi, you know, she is, to be honest, younger, true or false? Better looking, true or false? <laughs> um, uh, better at singing? Johnny says yes, very quickly. <laughs> Those various things, which, if you're not careful, if, you can, if I compare myself with Choi, younger, definitely. And, yes, yeah, so, well, we'll <laughs> got it. <laughs> we need to bind that demon, I think. <laughs> so if you didn't hear, she got a third, um, which those who don't, haven't yet gone to university, university degrees are like first two, one, two, two thirds. But that means you had a great time, probably, wasn't it? You had a great <laughs> All the people I know got thirds had a great time at university. They weren't stuck in the library. 
Good. Uh, if you compare yourself with other people, then inevitably it makes you feel like you're not up to something or other. It pushes you down. That makes sense? And, and, and comparison is built into our society in a terribly deep way. It's, it's hard to get rid of it. You know, um, schools have got better at not having lists, like, at the end of the year, they put, like, a whole year list of, you know, results in maths from 1 to 180. You know, do you know what I mean by that? Now, if you happen to be first, it's great. <laughs> right? But if you're 180 or even 179th, what's it saying about you? Um, and, 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 and there's lots of stuff in our world where the world encourages us to compare ourselves with other people. And that is a wrong comparison. Well, in a sense, sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes you have to say, okay, which one, I've been working this week, my, my son, um, rewiring a room and stuff, he's come down, doesn't work with me. He's a qualified electrician, he also did physics university. But, um, and, and sometimes I say, actually, Nick, you're stronger than me, you've got to lift this, I can't do it. Make sense? I have to make the comparison. I mean, he's, you know, how old was I? How old was I, when, Ali? How old was he when I, I don't know. He must be 20 years younger than me, 30 years younger than me. How old was I when he was born? How much? Okay, he's 31 years younger than me, you see. I'll work it out. Because he's younger, he's fitter. That's not, that's not a bad thing at all to get. And then, to be honest, you wouldn't want me leading worship here, would you? No, say no. <laughs> right? Because that's, you know, I'm, compare me with Johnny. I am clearly, well, I won't say those things, but <laughs> clearly not as good a worship leader or Marcus or anybody else, or probably anyone here, actually, to be honest. If we put, you, do you ever do those things in, guys, do they still do those things in school where they choose teams, they pick, you know, do you still do that? I used to hate that. Do, 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 when I remember, I can still remember having a school photograph, and they wanted to get us, me, when I was at school, not when I did it, when I'd done it, but, and they put you in a line, the whole school from tallest to shortest. Do you remember that? Do you remember to get the photograph looking right, okay? But if you're in year 11 and you're with the year sevens because you were short, it was not good. <laughs> who's, who's, who's had that ex bad experience? Yeah, see, I'm, yeah, it's rubbish. Now, Paul is particularly concerned, a particular sort of comparison here. Actually, he's not that, he, he is concerned that these inch corinths of the church with leaders but they've got these people visiting people. At this time, the way churches worked, there were a lot of people, called them apostles or whatever, who traveled around preaching different churches, okay? We don't intend to get that. We get a few visiting speakers. We have got um, one um, family von Burson coming this term, which is a good one. You see them again? Um, but we, by and large, don't have that. And some of these traveling people coming around the church have been saying wrong things. And Paul sees it spiritually as a sort of demonic attack, as Satan trying to get in and destroy the church. He's really harsh on it, beginning of next chapter. He talks about them being deceitful and wrong, and, and he sees the enemy's work behind it. Right? But what they, the, way they get, the way they get into this, where he starts off with this, is he says these guys are comparing themselves to themselves, by which he means, uh, I am a better preacher than Choi. Listen to me. Come to my club, not Choi's club. Right? And, incidentally, pay me some money for doing it, because they were taking fees for it. They were earning their living out of doing this stuff, right? And so he goes on like this. We do not dare to classify... Com Hang on, don't forget, there's a, what is the right comparison for a Christian to do? Don't say it yet. What is the right standard of comparison for a Jesus follower? Don't say it yet. We do not dare to classify ourselves to compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. I'm not going to commend myself with them, he says. 
when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves amongst themselves, they are not wise. Next slide. We, however, will not boast beyond our proper limits, but we will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us, a field that reaches even to you. The thing about, if I say comparison is often a difficult and evil thing, and it tends to attack our identity, and we need to avoid it and get a right sense of it, that doesn't mean to say that it's wrong to say, actually, Johnny is a really good worship leader. Choi is a brilliant church warden. I'm not a bad preacher. Say amen quickly. <laughs> right? Okay, do you understand? I wasn't a bad physics teacher either. What was I, James? That was still a big pause, but never mind. Right? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? There's still things that actually David is a, was a pretty good architect. Were you or not? Oh, you, you, you smiled there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Sorry, he's sorry, what was it? It's again dangerous ground again, right? Is that, do you understand? This, this is not, it's not, there are some things we can just say. It's not, is it, Paul calls it boasting. But it's not wrong to say there are some things that God has, a field, what's his, what's his words? A field God has assigned to us. God, each one of us is gifted, both sort of humanly and spiritually, in different ways. That's why we're a fellowship together, because those gifts are all interlocking. Right? No one does everything. And if they do, they don't do it all well. But there is an area where we can boast, as the word Paul uses. He's willing to boast about the stuff that God's called him to do and he's done. Right? And there's, some, there's a, it's a right thing about that sometimes, saying, yes, God, look, we, we just want to celebrate the fact that in this church, this person has been called to do this and does a flipping good job. We're not going to go too far in our boasting as that would be the case if we had not come to you. For we did get as far as you with the gospel. Paul's saying that we're the guys who first came to Corinth and preached the gospel. Neither did we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. That's a hit, a hit at the people in Corinth who were doing that. Right? Because basically the church had been founded by Paul and he's trying to pull down these false teachers. He's talking to the Corinthian church trying to pull these on these false teachers who are saying stuff that's wrong. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our area of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in regions beyond you. Now, Paul's hope is that the church in Corinth will grow in Jesus and that will give him a base to push on to Rome or Spain or somewhere else. If you're into being a Jesus disciple and following Jesus, the hope always is that the stuff we do to build the kingdom... The kingdom expands so that it can go further. Amen? So that the, 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 what we as a group know about the life of the Holy Spirit expands here so that it can grow, whether that's in like depth or width or whatever, I don't know. We want to see the kingdom grow in its peripherals, its boundaries as well. Amen? That's, that's, that's the uh, revival thing again, isn't it? The kingdom will break out. We don't want to boast about work done in another man's territory. Click. For but now this is where I want to land. This is not quite landing yet. It's quite a long landing. It's one of those landings where your where your plane comes in and tries has to go again. All right, but that's this is it really. Paul says, "Let him who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the." You see, the, that's the comparison that's right. 
The comparison that is right is, am I where Jesus wants me to be? There's a, there's a, there's, there is a sense when I do need to measure myself, compare myself with what God calls me to be. Because Jesus does call us on. It's not, hey, become a Christian and sit where you are. It's, hey, become a Christian and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Right? But his comparison, when we compare ourselves to what he wants us to be, he wants us to be what we're made to be. Do you get The fact I'm five or eight and a quarter is not a problem. That's what God... That's not a problem, is it? Oh, good, thank you. But, you know, it was, it was when I was playing rugby, to be honest. And also the fact I wasn't 18 stone, which is, you know, could have run that probably. Yep. Jesus only wants you to be what he's made you to be. And so there's a sense in which we have to want, I want the Lord to commend me. I want to be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want in the field he's assigned to me, and that changes a lot as life goes on. Guys at the back, the field assigned to you is amongst your mates in school. It just is. They're the or university, Joe, Marcus. Right? That's the field you're assigned to at the moment. You're not there forever, thank goodness. Right? School ends. And that what you what you're called to be, where, where you're called to work, changes. But in the field assigned to me, I want to say, okay, Lord, how am I doing? I want your commendation. I don't want someone to say, hey, you're better than them. I want you to say, I'm doing what you called me to do. And then Paul says this amazing thing. You notice the phrase in verse 17, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord, is in, what are those things called? Inverted commas, which I think is always weird, but there we go, because they're not comma-shaped really, are they? Do you know what I mean by that? If they're inverted commas, they'd be like curly, wouldn't they? Do you, who makes straight commas? Anyway, that's by the point. That's not to the talk, really. What does that mean, do you think, the fact of the inverted commas? It's a quote. Where's it quote from? <laughs> the Old Testament. Hey, very good. Uh, I think Neil knows. Do you know, Neil, where it's from? Jeremiah. It's on the, you've got to think. Sorry, buddy. That was a... This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Comparison again. I'm wiser than you. I'm cleverer than you. Or the strong man boasts of his strength. I can bench 160, whatever. I can't, by the way. Or the rich man boasts of his riches. People don't boast by walking around saying, I earn 50 grand, what do you earn? They just boast by having cars and stuff, don't they? I mean, isn't that? Oof. Anyway, uh, boast of riches. Uh, but let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. I think, read this sentence here, for in these... What does the these mean? What does the Lord delight in? No, I don't think it is that. Yes. That's what I first read it as. He delights in kindness, justice, and... He does delight in those things, but I think it delights in... He, understand, it's always both, he and she, right? The ones who understand and know that I'm God. 
God delights in you. This is the core of what it means to be a Christian. That's what I want to say this morning, really. As we start this year as a church, I want us to be absolutely excited about the fact that we are God's people, that we know and understand something about God. Not everything. Oh, wow. It's not possible. But we know something about what he is. We know the fact he's a God of love, a God of justice, and a God of mercy. Yeah? And it's that which is the core thing I want to boast about. You know this thing, I'm going to very quickly go, Philippians 3, is it Philippians 3 next? <coughs> but whatever is my prophet, Paul says, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. Paul goes on to talk about how he had everything as a Jew. But everything, he says, is garbage. It literally is the word that means like, you know, dog poo that's got to go in the bin. I count everything like that because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. That's the core of who we should be. That's what we boast about. When people say, you know, okay, whatever, comparison-wise, and call us to comparison, and we feel like we're not living up to the mark of other people's mark, hey, but I'm going to boast in the fact I understand this, that I know the Lord, that I know the Lord. And it came to my mind that, I don't know if you know the story, in, in Luke, something or other, 10 or 11, is it? I'll come on the screen in a minute to remind me. But anyway, Jesus sends out 72 in pairs. He sort of sends them, chooses a bigger range of people, not the 12 disciples, sends them out to preach the gospel. And they come back saying, great, Lord, it's fantastic. Even the spirits submit to us. They've cast out demons. They've seen real stuff happen. And Jesus says this, do not rejoice the spirits submit to you. Do not rejoice in what you've done. Don't get proud by the fact that I'm really good at being an exorcist or whatever. Do you understand? Also, rejoice in this, that your names are in heaven. That is, that you're one of the Jesus followers. You're one of the Jesus followers. And there's a verse in Psalms I'm going to actually land with, I think. The psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth has nothing I desire beside you. Songs come from this, aren't they? Yeah? My challenge this morning is that this ought to be the core of who we are. Everything else comes adjacent to this. All the other pressures and things we have, our roles we have as father, grandfather, job, work roles, you know, teacher, student, son, daughter. All those roles and stuff, some of which involve comparisons. Oh dear, the comparisons you sometimes get in families between siblings, can be very bad. All those things are secondary to the core thing that is, whom have I in heaven but you? Because we're the people who chose to follow Jesus. He forgave us, his spirit is in us. And that is what defines who we are. And that's the only comparison that matters. How am I doing compared to where Jesus wants me to be? Because he's very gracious, he's very gentle. He doesn't demand everything at once. If I know when I became a Christian, all the stuff I need to sort out in my life, I probably wouldn't have started. But what happens is you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit prompts this thing to sort out. Who's had this experience? And later on, something else. <laughs> Do you get And some things, by the way, that I never quite sort out and I keep going back to. Yeah? Gracious, Jesus is very gracious and loving. Because a loving, faithful, merciful God. But I know him. And that 
is what I want us to rejoice in and celebrate and be really excited about as we start this sort of year together, January together, the fact that God delights in us.